Uh, we've been working through a series here at Liberty Church uh, this season, uh, over the last few weeks, talking about some of our values, some things that are important to us as a church. Uh, in the coming months, we're going to be uh, appointing some elders to lead the church uh, and uh, introduce a more formal process of membership to the church. So we thought in the build-up to that, it'd be great to talk a little bit about who we are, some of the things that are important to us to help all of you uh, know what we are and what we believe and help you decide whether you want to join with us on the great mission that God's called us to. Uh, we've called this series uh, Liberty for the City, and we've been walking through different values. This week, what we're going to be talking about is uh, having liberty in Jesus. Why we as a church are a church that is all about Jesus. Why we want to be what somebody might call gospel-centered or Christ-centered or a Jesus-centered church. So I'm going to read a couple of verses to us from uh, Paul's, the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, the first letter, from uh, chapter 15, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll look at those passages together. So let me read these verses to you. This is verse 3, uh, 4 and 5 from chapter 15. Paul writes, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Let me pray. Jesus, we just ask that for everyone uh, watching this today, whether they're just catching up on their lunch break on a Monday morning or they're watching this on, a, on Sunday while the rest of us are gathered uh, in the Vonal Kirk, we just pray, Father, that you would speak to people, however they're uh, receiving this today, that you would speak, that your word would come alive in our hearts, that we would know you speaking to us today. Uh, we pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a really important verse for us to consider. Uh, Paul, the writer of this letter to the church in Corinth, who's explaining to this church um, kind of what it does, says on the tin here. He's saying to them, what is of first importance to him? And that was the, the preaching of the gospel, of telling them about Jesus, who lived uh, amongst them, came down from heaven to, to live as one of us, to serve us, who died for us, who was buried and then rose again and ascended to be with his Father in heaven. And Paul's saying that that was of first importance. And when he's saying it's of first importance, he's sort of meaning two things. He's saying, first of all, that it's, that it's like urgent. It's like top of the list of things to do. When you wake up in the morning, think about what's the most, the thing that you do first is often the most urgent thing. You just wanna get some coffee going. Uh, you need to eat your avocado, whatever kicks you off in the morning. It's the people who often do the most important thing first. But he's also saying that it's of first importance. It's not just first as in top of the list, it's first as in it's, it's just the most important thing. When things are both when you've got a task, if you maybe in your work or in your home life, you write down a little task list for yourself. Uh, it's sometimes a helpful way of doing it is to assign which of these things are, are urgent things and which of these things are important things. Because sometimes something that's important isn't urgent. Sometimes things that are urgent aren't that important. But when something is both urgent and important, you want to do that thing first. You want to keep that thing central. And Paul is saying to them what, what he brought to them, what they as a church should carry on believing is that the gospel 
of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, what he did for them, is of first importance. It's both urgent and important to us, which hopefully if you're a believer in Jesus, um, and probably even if you're not a believer in Jesus, it kind of sounds obvious. You know, this is a foundational truth of the Christian faith. It's a foundational truth of not just us as a church, but all churches around the world. It's, it's what we want to build our lives upon. But the reality is, is that many of us live with, I guess what you could call a kind of a, we design in our heads and in our hearts, bogus versions of Jesus, uh, fraudulent, fake versions of Jesus. It was like a Stepford wife's equivalent of Jesus is how we often, the, the Jesus we end up trying to, trying to worship. We, and sometimes that will change over time. They'll become different interpretations, different iterations of who we think Jesus is, of what he's telling us to do. For some people, they want to believe in a, a Jesus that's all about the revolutionary struggle, a kind of Che Guevara kind of hero, the Jesus that goes into the temple and turns over the tables, the Jesus that wants to uh, 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 take all those confront all the evil in society and turn everything over that's against all the evil, corrupt Roman Empire and all their institutions. For other people, they want to believe in a Jesus that's, I guess, more like a bit of a, he's kind of full of peace and love. He's sort of a, a hippie Jesus. You know, he's sort of the sort of person that rides around Amsterdam with their bike covered in flowers, just sort of kind of weaving around the cycle lanes. Other people want to believe in Jesus that's the sort of God that's just going to bring a sense of triumph and victory into their life on a permanent basis that Jesus becomes almost like a, a genie in a bottle that you just, you come and you, you want to just bring your requests and you don't have to do anything. You just want the answer to come, the problems to be solved. You want, just want Jesus to fix everything in your life. For other people, we treat Jesus as, I guess, a bit like a kind of a Yoda, like a, a guru, a sort of a a spiritual counsellor, a, a life coach. He just gives us a, a few bits of wisdom, some, some good ideas. He just gives us some advice that we can build our life upon. Now, the problem with all those pictures, and there'd be many more different ways that people might create versions of God that they want to, that they want to follow is, well, first of all, of their own, they're not, they're not true. If you get into the, this book, if you read particularly the gospel accounts of who Jesus is and what he does. If you go through the book of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, you'll find just as you read about Jesus' life and what he said and what he did, that even when you've been reading these books for years, they constantly surprise you of, wow, Jesus did that. And look how he cared for that person. Look how he reacted to that person. Look how he spoke to those Pharisees. Look how he spoke to those sinners. Jesus constantly surprises us with what he's like. But also, if, even if you took all those different pictures of those sort of different Jesuses that we follow, and there's elements of truth in each of them, but if we added them all together, even the sum total of all those things doesn't really paint the full picture of Jesus's. It's, it's not enough. It's not enough. Because you and I, we need more than, we need more than just a better example for our lives. We need more than just a life coach, a, a guide, a spiritual counsellor. We need more than just a cheerleader who's going to shout us on and encourage us. All those things can be good and helpful, but we need much more than that from, from Jesus.
And not only do we create fake versions of Jesus, we often can create fake ways of getting to Jesus, of practices of our faith, of how we do Christianity that can be bogus, that can be fraudulent, that can be false. Often we create our own versions of spirituality. We take a, a bit of Buddhism from over here, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus, add in some, a few atomic habits that we've learned, the 12 rules for life. We kind of mix it all together and then, ah, this will be the way that I'll, I'll just construct my own faith. Perhaps even if you're trying to live an authentic Christian lifestyle, that you're reading your Bible, you're hungry for God. You come to church, you listen to what we have to say. You're trying to, you're trying to follow Jesus in an authentic Christian way. We can often find ourselves as well, constructing our own ways of coming to God. Because so easily we can slip into just a, a legalism, a, a moralism. I do this all the time, that when we've failed, when we know we've sinned against God, when we know we've done things that we feel shameful, embarrassed about, we'll often then think, well, maybe, maybe if I go away, if I fast for a day, or if I read twice as much as my Bible today than I normally do, I can just make myself feel a bit holier. And then Jesus might accept me a little bit more. And as soon as we say it out loud, we remind ourselves and we're aware of, that's not the gospel. <laughs> I don't have to come to Jesus like that. But yet we still fall into those patterns and behaviours. We can work out our faith in a very moralistic way. Or on the other hand, we can be very sort of therapeutic about it. We can begin to think, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what, what I do. You know, like, it doesn't really matter how I live. As long as I say sorry every now and again, you know, I can just, these, these bad habits, these sinful practices, I just can, just can kind of keep them running, just keep them kind of plodding along. It's, it'll be fine. Jesus doesn't mind. And we sort of dismiss his holiness. We dismiss what this book tells us about who he is and what he loves, what he's passionate about. See, the reality is whatever that, however you fit into what I've just described of how we practice our faith, maybe you've constructed your own spirituality, maybe you, those sort of different versions of Jesus that I pointed out, you can relate to some of those. The thing is none of us, we don't need a bit of help. We don't need a sort of a Christianity plus, Christianity plus, a bit of moralism, Jesus plus a bit of his, a bit of therapy. What, what we need is, is Jesus. Because all this constant, constant kind of revisionism, our, our constant changing of who we think Jesus is, of how we're gonna follow him, so much of it really is rooted in our own rebellion. <laughs> is that we, we wanna find, we wanna be enough for ourselves. We want to find our own way to God. We want to prove ourselves. We don't want to follow his way. We want to, we want to construct it ourselves. It's, it's just that's at the essence of what the Bible calls sin. Maybe that's an uncomfortable word for you. Maybe you think, oh, that's just a, that's just a weird concept that Christians have made up. But yes, sin really is it's our rebellion against God. It's us choosing to live our own way choosing to follow our own path, choosing to create our own versions of Jesus, not wanting to submit to who he really is, or only wanting to submit to most or some of who he is and what he says. See, the, the reality is, 
that's never going to be enough. Because you might think, well, what's the problem? Why, why can't I just construct my own? Why can't I just make my own spirituality? You know, if it helps me day by day, you know, what does it matter if, if I sprinkle in my, my, a little bit of Jesus with a little bit of whatever else? But it's never going to be enough if that's how you're living. Because the reality is that you and I, we're, we're more sinful than we dare ever believe. But at the same time, the beauty of the gospel is we're both more sinful than we ever dared to believe, but we're also more accepted and loved than we could ever hope for. And the reality is the, the longer you go on in your Christian faith, the more and more aware you become of, as God begins to expose things in your life, of your sinful motives, of your sinful desires, of the ways we think and behave and act that just aren't godly, he just, little by little, he brings them to surface in our hearts. But at the same time, each day we're aware of a, a, an avalanche of his love, of his lavish grace, of his blessings towards us again and again. Jesus really is our only hope. Jesus is the only thing we can build our lives upon that's really going to do us any good. We don't, we don't need self-help. Those things can be good. There's lots of wisdom in self-help books, how to go about your job how to eat well. There's so much wisdom out there, but what we really need for our souls to deal with the problem of this rebellion in our hearts is we need, we need a savior. We don't just need a spiritual hit, a kind of spiritual high, just come to church and just kind of boost your spirituality up for another week. The reality is that without Jesus is that we're, we're dead in our, in our sins. This is spiritual high, it won't, won't do any good. If, if you come to a, a corpse and, and just try and give it a kick up the backside or inject something into it, it's, it's dead, it won't make any difference. We need the life that only Jesus can bring, the, the new creations that he makes us into. Without him, we're, we're, we're hopelessly lost and only in Jesus can we be found. That we've been walking in darkness and only he can bring us into light. And what we really need is the Son of God, this Jesus Christ, who became one of us, who humbled himself, even to the point of death, who came to serve us, who died on a cross. He gave his life as, as a substitute, sacrificed himself, bore the wrath of God upon himself, took the punishment that we deserved upon himself, so that he could lavish on us his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace. This Jesus that has risen from the grave, and now in his resurrection offers us and offers this broken world the first fruits of his renewal that he's seeking to bring out in his kingdom now. And that's what this Bible is all about. You know, I might ask, why do we believe all of this? It's because this is what this book is all about. That's the big, the big theme, the big story of this book, the Bible, is this all pointing to him. It's all painting this wonderful, multicolored, vibrant picture of who he is of who God is, of what he's done for us, his mighty love towards his people, us. If you're a believer in Jesus, this book isn't just a, a guide to help you through some kind of manual. We open up this book and, and we meet Jesus. We can feel his love permeating through every page into our hearts. And that's what we're about as, as a church. That's why I said at the start, we're a church who are all about Jesus. 
we really believe that Jesus shapes everything, that he's the centre of all human history, that he's just the pivot upon which history holds itself together. He's just the centre of everything. And we want Jesus to be right at the centre of, of our church, right at the centre of how together we practise our faith, about how together we're a witness to our city. And again, that should sound obvious, but it's easy to miss out on. It's easy to, to forget that. It's easy to, 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 to start preaching different messages, to start living out our faith in, in alternative ways that, that don't really breathe the life of the gospel of Jesus' love for us into our hearts. See, being a church that is all about Jesus, it should affect a few different areas of our life. Well, in particular, that I want to map out, it should affect everything, really. But our, it should affect our, our mission, what we're called to do, that we're, we're called to share the good news of the kingdom of God. That there's, a, there's something about the gospel that has a, a, a social nature that is supposed to affect and transform and bring renewal to the world around us. And we, the church, are sent to do that. We're sent into his world to, to help to transform society and culture around us, to let the gospel shape through our actions and our love and how we want to serve the city, how we want to, as we were talking about last week, how we want to create in the city, how we want to tell a different story. The gospel blasts through all of that to bring life to the city around us. Jesus should affect how we practice our community life together, that we're supposed to love each other as, as he first loved, as he first loved us. We're supposed to serve one another. We're supposed to go above and beyond one another again and again. In the same way that Jesus has laid down his life for us, we're called to lay down our lives for one another, to put each other first, to build a community of forgiveness, a community of grace and mercy toward one another, where we seek to, to be Jesus to one another and to point each other towards Jesus, to let his love just really impact everything about how we interact with one another, about how we build our friendships, our relationships. Being a church that's all about Jesus should affect how, how we go about leadership in the church, that we believe Jesus is, he's our chief shepherd. He's on the throne. He's the head of the church. He's the head of the body. And we're all called just to be a part of that body with, with Christ as the head. And for any of us who, who God is called to be leaders in the church, our job more than anything else is just to point people to Jesus. It's just to say, look, look how amazing he is. <laughs> it's to, to help to demonstrate with our lives and to, to tell with our mouths the wonder of who he is, of his love toward us. Which is why we, we try and preach as we do. We don't always get it right. But when we're up here on a Sunday morning trying to tell you about this book, we, what we want you to do is it's not just, we don't want to give you some life lessons that will help you. You know, five things you can put on a to-do list, a bit of wisdom to spur you on. It's not even just about understanding more about Jesus or understanding more about this book, although that's helpful and important. Ultimately, we want you on a Sunday morning or whenever we're teaching you from the word is we want people to meet Jesus. <laughs> we don't want you to go away. We don't want you to turn off the screen you're watching today or walk out the doors when you leave the building having understood more of him alone. We want you to, 
walk out knowing that you've encountered him. That he's come not just to give you more information, but to have your life changed little by little, bit by bit. And it won't be sort of one mega sermon that changes everything, but little by little, step by step, as we get and as we learn bit by bit, more and more of his incredible love for us, as we slowly begin to understand it, we'll never fully understand it in this life, that it will change us from the inside out. I guess all of these things really, what we're trying to say is we, it should affect our, our, our culture of, as, a, as a church. You know, there are all sorts of things that you can say you believe, not just for a church, different companies and organizations, even for your own life, you can have a set of values, but you really know what someone believes when you, when you look at their culture. Like how do things actually, what do they actually do? What does their practice look like? And we want the culture of our community to be one of, of grace, of kindness, of forgiveness. Not a harsh, cold, moralistic, legalistic community. Not, but also not a sort of community of just therapy where we just come in and kind of rub each other on the back. Never speak the truth of his love towards us, of what he said to us into each other's lives. When, when you walk into the building on a Sunday morning, we want you to come in not, not feeling like you've got to put on your Sunday best. You're very welcome to wear your best clothes if that's part of how you want to worship Jesus. I know many, from many people from different backgrounds, that's part of how you express your worship. But you don't have to put on your Sunday best. You don't have to come in and feel like you need to show off or put up a pretense. We want you to walk into the building and feel relieved, <laughs> to feel at home, to feel like you can just be yourself with all your brokenness, that you can just arrive and you can just share your life with people and you won't receive condemnation and judgment, but you'll receive the love and care of brothers and sisters, that you'll receive true compassion Again and again in the Bible, as you hear, we can see Jesus, uh, his interactions with people again and again are full of compassion. And Jesus' compassion isn't, isn't just about hearing and saying nice words. Jesus' compassion is, is active. He steps into people's life to bring healing. He steps into people's life to bring transformation. And we wanna see that sort of compassion and grace work out in our community where people come in and all of us Every single one of us comes in with all our brokenness and begins little by little to find the healing that we need in Jesus Christ. See, really, everything that we've been saying about Jesus should affect how we practice as a church, but it should also affect you, your life. See, the, the gospel is not good advice. It's good news. It's good news. It's not something we do, but something that's been done for us. But all that also means that the gospel, what it results in, when we realize of what Jesus has done for us, we realize what he's continuing to do by his grace day by day in our lives, is it will result in a, in a new way of life. Jesus will change your heart, your desires will change. You won't wanna live like that anymore. You wanna live a new way, you wanna walk a new path because of his transforming grace within you. See, there isn't a, the gospel, this good news of who Jesus is, it's not, 
It's not the A to B of the Christian life. It's not just your initial stages. Oh, I've come and learned the gospel and then I'll, I'll move on to advanced Christianity. You know, I've, I've graduated to the next tier. I've completed that level, we'll move on to the next one. The gospel is, is the A to Z. There's no advanced level. If there is, you then very quickly, you'll become the hero of your own sanctification. You'll become the hero of your own walk with God. And Jesus is the hero. All of us, we need him every day. Even the, even the things we do, which are holy and beautiful, and they're, they're all part of his grace at work. That's his transforming power at work within us. All of us need, need Jesus. We need more of him every day. What I want to do is just finish but I'm going to read a couple of verses from a psalm and then I'm going to pray for us and, uh, and pray that God will, will speak to you and bless you as we do that. Let me just read this. This is from Psalm 36. It says this really simply, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Jesus, we thank you that this gospel, this good news, this wonderful story of who you are and what you've done is it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about meeting you and encountering you and your steadfast love towards us, your unfailing love towards us. Your love towards us doesn't end or seek or break or stop. We can't push it to the limits of extent. It just keeps on going again and again. And I just want to pray for every brother and sister watching this right now, that they would just know the love of Christ penetrate into their hearts, nor the fullness of your blessing and your joy reach right into the center of their being right now. Pray for anyone watching this who isn't a follower of Jesus, that they'd be able to right now repent, that is to turn their back on their old way of life, to say to Jesus, I'm sorry for everything that I've done, all, my, all these things I've done, which I know they're just a rebellion, I know they're just a turning away from you. I wanna put my trust in you, I wanna follow you. I wanna pray for everyone watching this who is a follower of Jesus, that you would help us to, to know your love again today to know how we're caught up in your plans and purposes, to know your grace that's transforming us little by little, and that you just fill us with your spirit right now fresh. Help us to love and serve you all of our days. In Jesus' name, amen.